0: I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness that conceals a source of great power. We have been subordinate to our limitations until now. The time has come to cast aside these bonds and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part of life.
1: and welcome again to ET yoga well tonight's show is going to be jam-packed with information as usual Uh, it's going to be a continuation of deep uh, spiritual insights uh, continued from the last program and uh, I highly suggest if uh, you're into deep spiritual thinking that uh, you check out the archives uh, from the last program And also, uh, we're going to be getting part two of the Akashic Records, and then we're going to have a special presentation of information presented by Athena Swaru about uh, what are wars and uh, what she thinks every human should know about wars. But before we get into all of that, I'd like to kick off the program in the usual way kind of setting the tone and the frequency vibration for the, what's to follow by having a little bit of japa yoga or mantra repetition. And that'll be led by Sri Swami Satchidananda. So if the guys in the booth would play that short clip now, that would be much
2: appreciated. Hari Om, Hari Om, Hari Hari, Hari. Hurry! hari 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 om 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 Hariyum, Hariom Hari 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 Hariom Hari
3: hariyum,
2: Hari hariyum, Hari hariyum, Hari Hari Hariom Hari Om hariom hariom hari hari
3: hariom
2: hariom hariom hari hari hariom
3: hariom hariom
2: hari hari hariom 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 hari 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 hariom Om Hari Om Hari Om Hari 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 Om Hari 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 Om. Hari 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 Om Hari 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 yo hari 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 om 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 yo hari 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 om hari 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 om hari 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 om hari om hari om Om hari om hari om Om hari 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 om Om hari om hari om
3: Om hari 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 om Om
2: hari om hari om hari 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 om
3: Om hari
2: om hari om hari hari om Hari Om, Hari Om, Hari Hari
1: Yes, that was Sri Swami Sachidananda and company, and uh, he was the founder of the Integral Yoga Institutes, uh, one of my spiritual teachers, and that was a clip from back in the 1970s. I'd like to uh, take this opportunity now to give my thanks, appreciation, and gratitude to the ET Yoga listening audience just for being you, and also... um, send out my invitation for you to email me concerning any questions you may have concerning content presented on ET Yoga, and rest assured I will get back to you uh, with an answer as best of my ability to your questions. I also, I'm appreciative to hear about uh, your wishes concerning program content, and part of the program tonight is actually uh, from uh, listeners who are wishing to uh, get my opinion on uh, <clears throat> a certain topic. And um, also, um, nothing makes my day more than hearing about your successes because I present lots of ideas and concepts and techniques on ET yoga and uh, nothing makes my day more than hearing about uh, your successes. I don't feel that I wouldn't be appreciative of that. And um, you can always email me at paperfungo, P-A-P-E-R-F-U-N-G-O, paperfungo at yahoo.ca. <laughs> and I guess I'll take this opportunity to give my usual disclaimer that this program was created in order to share the information about the positive and most effective benefits and insights of ET. Yoga. It is therefore for educational purposes, and although thought to be accurate, is provided as is, and without warranty of any kind, either expressed or unexpressed or implied. Please note that ET Yoga is not a substitute for medical care. Information is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You should always consult with the appropriate health practitioner in case of any medical condition. And uh, for those that are new listeners to ET Yoga, you should also know that I totally applaud your efforts to distance yourself from mainstream medical, big pharma, mainstream media, and technology to the best of your ability, given your particular circumstance. And uh, in uh, preparing for tonight's program, it uh, became um, fairly obvious to me that uh, uh, it's largely a continuation from the last ET Yoga program broadcast, especially related to two topics related to uh, the Akashic Record and deep spiritual thinking. And... um, if you miss that program um uh, i'm going to say that's probably i don't know on those two subjects at least it's the best uh, program i've pre- uh, presented uh it's uh it would be a showcase program uh, in my mind for um somebody that has never uh, heard about et yoga and uh also it uh definitely reflects uh uh uh, high information that, uh, again, why I appreciate the ET yoga audience because there's so many people who can relate to that type of information. And, uh, I highly recommend that, um, you make use of a free service, which is, um, the archives to the ET yoga pro- broadcast. And you can go to BBS radio ET yoga and, um, find it that way. Or you can go to my website, at etyoga.com. And on the main page, there's uh, a button there that says Radio Archives. You hit that one button and you go directly to the archives. And uh, many people have emailed me and mentioned that uh, they much appreciate this service because you can take your time and go through the information at your pace and you don't have to be a stenographer in order to, you know, write everything down, although a lot of people do like to take notes. Uh, during an ET yoga broadcast. And um, there's no charge and no strings attached. Not like I'm going to be hassling you or emailing you all the time just because you access the archives. Nothing of that sort. It's totally a free service and a free benefit to the ET yoga listening audience. So in getting down to uh, tonight's program, I'm going to start off with the Akashic Record Uh, And a quote from actually Sadguru, S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U, Sadguru, talks about Akasha, and he says, Akasha is ether. It is not space. It is a dimension. And when we um, say space, we talk about kala, or non-existence. And when we're talking about shiva that which is not but when we talk about akash we're talking about that which is akasha is a subtle dimension of life i kind of like that and i think it kind of sets the tone for much of the following information that was derived from uh, teal swan and uh probably i think the best thing teal swan ever produced and um when we start to talk about the Akashic Record, um, the Akashic Record are a symbolic representation that the brain makes to represent the fact that every thought which has ever been thought exists. The Akashic Record is the collective consciousness. It has been referred to as the mind of God, which as such happens to contain the information or the energetic vibration of every thought which has ever been thought in any and all universes that have ever been since the first division of oneness or source. It also contains a bit of future. What is meant by it contains a bit of future is from where you stand right now, you have paths of probability which extend past your lifetime The future is always a vibrational match to the present and so if you change a thought in the present the future paths change. So what exists in the Akashic Record relative to the future is just probabilities which stem from your current vibration right where you stand in your life at this very moment. When we in human consciousness often think of this storage of thoughts we associate with a library because that is what we in our human lifespan see as a collection of information so often when we uh, when people visit these non-linear dimensions the experience of being there is usually pulled into linear understanding so that which is non-linear is being formatted in a linear way by the brain when you come back to third dimensional reality so it's a linear understanding upon re-entry into third dimensional consciousness And the entire experience is interpreted as sorting through records or images. So it's an image library of sorts. For the sake of the brain and explaining Akashic records, it behooves us to go into the understanding of dimensions. Dimensions are divided in terms of vibration. They are not a spatial concept. In reality, all dimensions exist on top of one another, the same space. They're just different vibrations overlapped one on the other. So you are existing in all dimensions at all times. The Akashic records can't represent one dimension. So the way it works is that information is stored in the dimension which it corresponds to. So you can think of the entire Akashic record as a giant library And let's say this library is source, and you're probably thinking in this library as a building because the brain can't understand the concept of no beginning and no end, and it can't understand the concept of no space or borders. All the dimensions within this library could be seen as different levels within a library. Just like when you go to a library, there is floor 1, floor 2, floor 3, etc. And there is different information relative to each level. So each successive floor on this library is more expansive than the floor below it. So each successive floor, contains all the information in the, in the floors below it, including new information relative to the expansion or the expansive totality of unity consciousness. In the fourth dimension, which is the one just outside the third dimension, we have access to every thought which has ever been thought relative to this single lifetime from your birth to your death. It also contains your thought form, which is basically the energetic self concept you have of you, which is only when you get out of body in the fourth dimension. You'll experience your energy body, which is an energy duplicate. In the fifth dimension, every possible timeline from the single points that you've chosen for your third dimensional life exists. So in the fifth dimension, you have all of the timelines which are possible for this single path you have chosen from any point in your life. So that means not just from where you stand now, but also all the probability paths which exist since you were born. As you can imagine, this is such a huge totality of information. In the sixth dimension, You are unlimited by space and by time and so you can instantly experience a new timeline within that fifth dimension from any of the probabilities in the fifth dimension. So instantly you could switch to the outcome of what would um, have occurred if something back in your infancy had been totally radically changed. So if one of the possibility paths that you didn't end up taking from a point, to say you were six months uh, old, um, you could choose that all the way to the end and instantly experience the end result of that particular probability path. In the seventh dimension, the sixth dimension is treated almost like a single point. So there is no timeline anymore. The sixth dimension is one point where all possibilities, in terms of timelines in our universe, and all possible endings for our universe, are contained. They are contained in the single point called infinity. So all possible timelines, which could have or will have occurred since the birth of this universe, since the so-called Big Bang, are contained in the seventh dimension. So every thought that has ever been thought in this universe is contained in the seventh dimension. So how could there be more than an infinity? Well, the answer is there can be other infinities, other universes created under different conditions. And why other universes are created under different conditions? Because there are different laws which apply in those universes. So different laws and laws other than the law of gravity. So in these other universes and other infinities the laws are not the same. The basic laws are not the same because the initial conditions creating those universes aren't the same. So in the eighth dimension that's where you begin to have access to the infinity relative to this lifetime of um, this universe as it relates to the infinity of another universe or universes. In the ninth dimension, you have access to being able to instantly experience any probability path from any timeline of being in any universe instantaneously. So when you are entering the 10th dimension, many like to refer to the 10th dimension as the most expansive in the library. So this is the top level. And what you're going to be experiencing with the 10th dimension lies all probabilities of all universes in the 9th dimension. And all of those probabilities of all these universes in the 9th dimension are treated now as a single point. So we could go over further than that. Uh, So at this point, we are now the library itself. And when we are outside of the 10th dimension, beyond, you are entering the zero point field. So in the 10th dimension, all universes from the ninth dimension are treated as a single point. And past the 10th dimension, you don't even have a point. What you have is the zero point field which is a sea of probability waves, which we would call source. And that is the totality of collective consciousness, not the expression of that consciousness. And when most people talk about the Akashic Record, they're referring to the seventh dimension. That is the frequencies of where past lives exist. So that would be the totality of probabilities which have occurred for one soul from its origin in this universe to its end in this universe. So if you're interested in past lives, the librarian would say, go to the seventh floor. And uh, I think that really uh, is, is a good job of summing up what is the Akashic Record, or like I say, as some people call the mind of God or the memory of God. And obviously, um, you need to be a frequency match for what you experienced relative to that. I'm now going to move on to um, a topic that listeners have asked me to respond to, uh, relating an article written by the late uh, Stephen Hawking. And um, the title title that I'm going to use for my presentation is Debunking Hawking because the title of his uh, article is No God Behind the Big Bang. And uh, recently, uh, and uh, for several years actually, we've seen the mainstream media supporting Hawking's uh, false assumption that there's no God behind the Big Bang, and also put out fear concerning the eventual contact with extraterrestrial life. And um, I've been asked by several readers uh, and listeners um, for my take on this. Well... (laughs) You know, it's interesting to note that first of all, um, nobody's from here. <laughs> you know, a, a fact, obviously, that Hawking isn't aware of that um, everybody that's living on the earth, at least those that are human on the earth, are from somewhere else. So in a sense, we're all extraterrestrials. You know, so it's kind of ludicrous to me to have start uh, putting out fear porn about um, contact with extraterrestrial life. And of course, like uh, everything else, there's positive uh, ETs and ones that are, uh, I guess you could call negative from the perspective of humanity's um, evolution. And uh, second of all, in India, there's a stage of spiritual development when the seeker experiences the higher levels of consciousness or oneness with the energy of creation or prime creator or whatever label one desires to define the infinite. And um, actually, in India, they give uh, some names to this. Like uh, one of them is Nirvikalpa Samadhi, and the other is Sahaj Samadhi. And um, as Sri Swami Satchidananda has said, "As many minds as many gods, because the finite can never define the infinite, but it can be experienced." And uh, that's the whole point here, is that there's no amount of uh, science that's going to um, prove the existence of source energy, God, cosmic consciousness, uh, whatever label uh, your mind chooses to um, define the infinite. If you want to have a personal God, you know, I can relate to that. If you want to think of it as source energy, if you want to think of it as all that is, if you want to, whatever label you want to use... is is fine. But uh, the whole point here is, is that this can only be experienced. And I guess there's an old saying that the proof that can be, uh, or the truth that can be proven is only half true. Um, Yeah. And um, I like to equate this to uh, the whole concept of what I call psychological proof. Uh, Let's say, for example, there's a gold mine up in the hills and four guys are sitting around a table talking about uh, the gold mine and what it looks like. Well, I can guarantee you that let's say uh, two of these guys have actually been to the gold mine and two guys haven't. I'll guarantee it won't take long before the two guys that have been there know that they've both been there and they're going to know also that the other two guys are BSing. And um, the guys that are BSing don't have a clue about anything other than the fact that they're BSing. So that to me is kind of a rough example of what I call psychological proof. And when it comes to this, um, about experiencing, um, uh, uh that you're pure consciousness source, yes, I've had that experience. And, um, actually I'm going to share with, you now a couple of paragraphs of, uh, notes I took during one of those, uh, experiences. And it goes like this, and I quote, First, there is a God. God has no name, no form, nor shape, yet all shapes. God exists beyond time and space and yet in it. God has no beginning and no end. It just is. It is eternal life and infinite love. Time and space exist in the mind of man. No man can understand the infinite with a finite mind. The infinite can never become finite. But when the mind is completely still, man's mind can merge and experience self-realization. A man's mind can only relate this experience according to his own capacity. For example, if you take a cup to the ocean, it will take the shape of the cup. Similarly, if you take a mind to the infinite, it will take the shape of the mind. Actually, there's only one God, but it takes the shape of each individual mind. For my mind, it is like we are all thoughts in the mind of God. It's impossible to describe exactly what it is like. Ram Das would say that what we would most like to talk about, there aren't any words for. It can only be experienced. Reincarnation, the Akashic record, and karma are fact. What we carry over from lifetime to lifetime is our level of consciousness and our karma, which is the good and negative attachments we have accumulated. As you sow, so shall you reap, is exactly true. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. This is a scientific fact. It is also a fact with our thoughts and actions. The universe has three phases, active, passive, and neutral. In the beginning, there is a void or neutral state. This energy becomes activated by an internal polarization causing creation, the sound humming. In this active state, there is no exact description, as again it takes the shape of the mind. To me, it is similar to God wanting to know himself. Then there is the knowing, then just being. From God's standpoint, creation and its devolution are in a twinkling of an eye. From the highest levels, it is all illusion, and higher yet, it just is. The energy was never created, nor can it end similar to doing something during the day sitting and being aware and then going to sleep rising with i am the thought i is the first to appear and the last to disappear the mind is like a woven cloth when you pull out all the threads there's nothing there yet the real you still is it's like a big eye and a little eye when the little eye shuts up the big eye kicks in it's very difficult to explain, but you don't lose your individuality. When your thoughts stop, you don't fall through your mind into a deep pit. You still have awareness and the energy levels are enormous. The bliss makes any physical feeling trivial. The closest approximate, approximation is sex. It is like a glimpse of a larger unity with corresponding feeling. Every person has the potential to experience this unity. Unlike traditional Western theology, which in many cases tries to make it sound like Christ was the only Son of God, and when you die there is a judgment and you go to heaven or hell, the real point should be to attain a unity with Christ's consciousness while living. That is the purpose of being here. Also, many others have attained this level of consciousness. And those are notes from a few decades back of my first experience of source energy and um i hope that uh, in the listeners to Et yoga tonight that um, you're um, supportive of uh my debunking uh, hawkins theory of no god behind the big bang i'd like to now move on to uh I guess it relates to current uh, events with this uh, Russian-Ukraine crisis, but um, this is from uh, Swaru Athena Swaru, so it's like um, an extraterrestrial perspective of what wars are on Earth, and I think this is quite uh, fascinating information. So, from Athena Swaru. Every time there's a war, everything that is published during the conflict will be manipulated and exaggerated to the convenience of whoever is publishing it. This is war propaganda and has been around basically as long as there have been wars. So even if you see everything and form your own criteria, you will not be able to have a clear picture or idea of what is really going on. But yes, there is one thing that you can know with complete certainty. And it is the most important thing to know during a conflict involving major powers specifically. It is true that when we are, or there when there are regional wars involving small nations of little world political power or influence, these clans or quasi-clan wars can arise out of disagreements and power interests among their members. This triggers a local war which the controllers will watch closely and then send their agents to manipulate and guide the outcome according to the interests of the deep cabal. These agents will be sent in before, during, or after the conflict as they see fit and will be under the guise of analysts, military advisors, Uh, UN observers to keep the peace or more openly be secret agents who make deals with the leaders of such clans or in the last case send in special force units. In many occasions the cabal will send agents to both sides making believe great powerful nations under the name of their organizations like the United Nations or NATO among others, are on their side, being that they are making agreements with both sides of the conflict agreements that only end up benefiting the deep cabal. And the same will happen with an endless number of variants and methods that they apply, depending on what is necessary for each situation. This is nothing new, but I should mention it as context for the following. Well, as I have stated before, this is coming from Athena Swaru. small wars or wars between nations, inconsequential to the controllers, can have a real element in them. I should also mention that the deep cabal can also start a local war against the nation when they have realized that their leaders are not playing by the rules imposed by the cabal itself rules they impose using organizations such as the United Nations up to those imposed through their secret Masonic or Illuminati Lodge organizations which in turn exploit the goodwill of their low-grade members who for the most part have no idea what they themselves are doing or who they are really working for. In these cases they will intervene with a local war to then impose a puppet under their control as the new president or leader, always using the imposition or excuse of being liberators and saviors of nations to implement democracy for the benefit of the civilian population. Benefits they would never see as the only manipulation and propaganda, as I expressed before. Moving on to a larger conflict, when a conflict of whatever nature develops between nations that are clearly under Illuminati deep cabal domination and control, the words are of a different nature altogether. And that nature is obvious to those who have eyes to see and minds to analyze. And it's from an outsider's point of view, is painfully obvious because the population of Earth should be able to take this into account, and know this not only for their own survival, because what I say next is not a theory, nor is it a guess, nor is it a conclusion based on logic, but it is already considered a firm, constantly repeating, and unquestionable fact. When the deep cabal controls both nations in conflict, or both groups of nations, everything is pre Planned. I'm going to say that again. Pre-planned. Everything obeys a previous agenda that they have in mind and in preparation, sometimes years ago, decades, and sometimes even hundreds and thousands of years ago. This is inconceivable to the average terrestrial population that lives from day to day, from fortnight to fortnight, and for whatever they can afford and without having been able to plan what they will do the following week, much less this lifetime. Also having a finite temporal perception, the majority of the human population will not understand why or how a group can make plans for so many years, even generations, into the future because they think the people in power will not see the benefits in their lifetimes. This is where the non-human element that controls the deep cabal come in who have a longevity far greater than humans. So a conflict between large nations and under their control. And I guess I insert here that the US and Russia both in recent years uh, have had a pindar or the head of the uh, cabal uh, as a, a president. And that would be in the form of Obama and Putin. And um, so a conflict between large nations and under their control will have no element of real political, economic, or strategic interest as the civilian population will be told. All discussions of geopolitical politics, economics, and dominance of transnational corporations over the monopoly of natural resources is just propaganda by the very controlling cabal to divert the attention of the human population. They control both sides to the extreme level. It is a psychopathic game. They have been playing for thousands of years and the real reason I will only give later in this text, although they have been mentioned before, but I must fit in here for the sake of clarity of all that I am trying to explain. They just make the population believe that two nations or many nations that are large have disagreements with each other that have resulted in the loss of diplomacy resulting in war as the only and last way to resolve a dispute. And the people, the human population, will believe it because that is how they have been programmed and that is how it is set within the framework of their understanding of their reality." Example, disputes between unruly and annoying neighbors in their neighborhood or a colony where they live. The average human population will transfer that way of thinking about conflict to the geopolitical realms, and that is how the deep cabal controllers want them to think. But the reality is very different. The controllers within, with a view to energy, economic, uh, louche, and by the way, louche would be the energy of um, fear that uh, some of our controllers feed off of. Um, Exploitation of the human population, mass control and population control by way of population geoengineering will impose a war between two or more nations that they completely control. This is the case of countless wars in the past, but as more direct and recent examples, we have the First and Second World Wars, the Vietnam Conflict, and above all, the Cold War. During the Cold War, the world population was led to believe that there were two great power blocks that wanted political and economic dominion and domination over the Earth, with a constant latent threat of mutual annihilation with the use of nuclear weapons, which is known as MAD. Uh, which also stands for Mutually Assured Destruction. With this system of imposition of ideas, mind control over the planetary human population, they would be kept in constant worry and constant suffering that kept them under control. Also, this extremely dualistic bilateral world provided a good-bad black-and-white mentality in the minds of the human population And in terms of the economic realm, it would maintain the weapons industry, which is huge, as well as the economic competitive machinery in operation. With this system, they also made use of systems of imposed religions that also helped to guide the human population in the manner of livestock. So during a war of this kind, as an example, World War II, the Illuminati... Deep Cabal controlled, and still does, both sides, the Allies and the Axis, were the same bankers, financed both sides, were Ford Motor Company, General Motors, and Chrysler production plants, among others, manufactured engine components to supply both sides. And meanwhile, they had the people in the factories, mostly women, working from sunup to sundown under the mind control and war propaganda of crisis effort to win the war, exploiting the courage and life force of human beings. The outcome of military operations in that kind of conflict is already planned and already agreed upon, and the leaders of both sides, who are the, the masks and puppets of the deep cabal, know it and only play a role imposed by their superiors. All controlled from below using the communication systems the economy and the rules and laws of the secret societies the reason for a war of this nature are completely prefabricated and are imposed by means of war propaganda in the mass media the reason for these wars are the wars themselves with a view to population control wars are real suffering is real Deaths and struggles are real. The effort to beat the other side is real. But the battles are already decided, as are the wars. They are already planned. It is already known who must win and who must lose and when and for what purpose. This stems not only from the strategic aspect of war, but also from the purely tactical aspect, because not only wars are already planned, and it is already known who wins and who loses, but also the same happens in the battles over regions or parts in and of the same war. They will pit an army defending a region against an offender with a view to invade. They already know who should win. And they know the stakes of which side and who has the strength and where and when this will start and how to anticipate the outcome. An army that is in the lead and is winning an important battle but was not supposed to win will be given an irrational and even foolish order to retreat under any excuse that will return the balance of power in a battle, so the side that was already pre-planned to win that battle does. An example of this would be the advance of the German forces during the invasion against the Soviet Union, where they stalled trying to take the city of Stalingrad. In reality, the stalemate that lasted five months, one week and three days, from August 23, 1942 to February 1943, was only to decimate the German forces, reduce their advance, capacity, and strength, and turn the war in favor of the Soviet Union that they had already prepared as the one that should be the the winner. And it is also repeated later in the upper part of Russia with the battle and siege of Leningrad, September 1941 to January 1944, And Russia should be the winner because Russia was and still is under complete control of the deep cabal. And they needed it as it was an extremely strong in every way, militarily, economically, and social ID and ideologically to execute the next phase of the controller's plan, the Cold War. So no matter the enormous effort of the soldiers on both sides, no matter the type of efficiency of the war machine, no matter who has the best tanks, no matter who has the best planes, no matter who has the best pilot, is no matter how many die, how many will get mutilated, how many families destroyed, how many people are left with post-traumatic stress disorder, no matter the human spirit and their passion to defend their own, to defend their families, their homes, their nation, because everything is already planned in advance. Who wins and who loses? Why, when, and how often it fits into the events that follow. Wars are very real and are the consequences for the general population, military or otherwise. But the reasons for these kinds of wars are not. This has been going on for thousands of years. Who is causing all this? Those who benefit from human suffering on all levels. Those who eat louche, which is nothing more than creative energy of manifesting realities coming from beings with connection to the original source, real humans. These beings cannot exist on their own because they are egregors of human creation. Manifested directly as a result of the concentration of creative attention of human beings. Fear concentrates all attention on the object of that fear, blinding reason and vision all around. This is loose. It is is not a substance per se as adrenochrome would be, although it is, of course, related or it could only be seen to be interpreted as as a substance when viewed from the etheric side point of view. The creative concentration of reality manifestation formed from fear is very strong precisely because of its blinding concentration. Without such entities would disappear for they cannot sustain their existence alone. They need human suffering, to sustain themselves because they are a product of the human mind, direct manifestation, full in the fear that they have been, focused in a single entity form. If you stop paying attention to it, they will dissolve. Where are they and who exactly are they? They are not local. They are all over the world. They are energies that only manifest as something at certain times when conditions are propitious and they will always be propitious only by the direct intervention of the creative attention of humans. When they come together to fear a single thing in a specific place, visible entities can emerge in the form of what they call demons, apparitions, or whatever they want to call them. And by pinpointing as much as possible the where they are, this comes from just the point where the humans become the non-human. That threshold of mutual interference, of difficult interaction, is where the humans behind the secret societies merge with the dark entities, egregors of humanity, which they of the deep cabal worship. So this problem, as of a purely is of a hum, purely human nature or genesis and that they are being victimized by their own creations for not being able to control their own mind at the same time keeping in mind that humanity as such as a race seems as souls with connection to source it is not really just one race but a whole soup of souls of extraterrestrial origin. And that is from Athena Swaru. And uh, what she thinks is what everybody should know about wars. And I think it's totally, of course, <laughs> applicable to the current situation. And uh, the more people that wake up to it, the better. Now, I'd like to take this opportunity to uh, wish my sincere best to the ET listening audience for your attainment of full consciousness, perfect health, and abundance. And in uh, keeping with my normal tradition, I like to uh, end every program with um, a sharing of the Who Am I technique. Now, uh, this was a technique that um, I first... Um, came in contact with with an article in the Georgia Strait, that's a newspaper that used to uh, operate in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. And in there was an article written by Baba Ram Das. And uh, if you don't know about Ra- Baba Ram Das, his real name was Richard Alpert, and he used to be a Ph.D. at Harvard University, uh, went to India, found a real guru, <laughs> and uh, got his mind blown. And, of course, he was associated back in the day with... Uh, Taking LSD and etc. Uh, anyway, uh, he came back as Baba Ram Dass and started teaching the truth at Harvard, and of course got fired. Uh, he's still been one of the most influential spiritual people uh, in North America. If you don't know anything about Baba Ram Dass, uh, I guess he's famous for the book "Be Here Now, Now Be Here," which uh, uh, is an amazing book, uh, still relevant today. And uh, at the back of uh, that book, actually, he lists a hundred books uh, written by people who were uh, self-realized or seriously working on it. So I call it the Ram Dass reading, reading list. It's got a hundred books there. I read about 95 of them. And, um, anyway, he gave this technique, the who am I technique. And the first time I tried it, bam, I went through the doorway. So, uh, that's why I like to share it. And, um, It goes like this, you uh, get to the highest place you know how to get to and uh, you become the spot in the center of your forehead and you ask the question, who am I? And um, if you're interested in the who am I technique, uh, listen to the last program because uh, uh, some more detail and information about this whole uh, deep, deep uh, concept, the who am I concept. So you ask the question, who am I, once or twice or whatever number of times and then You become that spot in the center of your forehead and state the following. I am not my body. I am not my internal organs. I am not my thoughts. I am not this spot. What
0: spot? I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness that conceals a source of great power. We have been subordinate to our limitations until now. The time has come to cast aside these bonds and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part. It of is form. time to become a part. It is time.